This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading destination for audiobooks and other digital formats. Audible has hundreds of history titles related to the Italian Renaissance. In 1402, the artists Brunelleschi and Ghiberti competed for the design of the baptistry doors in Florence. Ghiberti ultimately won, but with your free trial, you can access Paul Robert Walker's The Feud That Sparked the Renaissance, a well-researched look at the rivalry between the two artists. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash I Take History to sign up today. By getting a free trial, you would also be supporting this podcast. I Take History with My Coffee podcast, episode 23, The Crisis. Liberty is properly obedient to the laws, while tyranny is obedient to one single man who governs everything according to his caprices. Tyranny equals fear. Fear of the Signore, of his suspicions, of his fickle motives, and of his humors. This is the destiny that awaits every people that Gian Galeazzo succeeds in conquering. Therefore, in the same act that we Florentines defend that precious thing which is our liberty, at the same time, we defend the common cause of Italian liberty, which, if we are conquered, shall become irremediably servant to him. Coluccio Salutati, 1397. Welcome back to the I Take History with My Coffee podcast. And thank you for continuing our exploration of the early modern period. Before we talk in detail about the war between Milan and Florence to close out the 14th century, I want to say a few words about the nature of warfare in 14th and 15th century Italy. Warfare was viewed primarily as economic in nature. The strategy was to inflict damage to physical structures, wreak havoc on the surrounding countryside, and wear down the opponent economically. Large-scale attacks on major cities were rare, and pitched battles were to be avoided. Conflicts were perceived in financial terms, and wars ended with truces and peace treaties that often involved the assessment of large indemnities. The winners and losers of wars were difficult to distinguish, and territorial transfers often preceded conflicts. Technological developments in warfare, such as the crossbow and heavy armor, made it more expensive and professional. As a result, mercenary troops became increasingly common and were hired through condate, contracts, with contractors known as condotteri. As the Italian states raised these troops in more significant numbers, the forces under the condotteri proliferated, 
and had their own government, bureaucracy, and foreign policy. In the 1360s and 70s, these mercenary troops, including the famed White Company of Sir John Hawkwood, dominated war in Italy. And in times of peace, they blackmailed their former employers with threats. The persistence of war throughout the Italian peninsula was characterized by the formation of marauding bands, known as free companies, comprised of out-of-work mercenaries who raided the countryside, looted, and extorted bribes from the cities. The constant fear of these bands led to the formation of leagues for mutual defense. The fall of Padua, the defection of Siena, and the indifference of Venice dealt a blow to Florentine hopes for a unified front against Milanese expansion. When war was declared in 1390, Gian Galeazzo Visconti had already amassed an army outside Siena, and his troops wreaked havoc as they advanced through the Arno River Valley, looting and raiding Arentine territory. Florence, unprepared, sent whatever troops were available to counter the attacks. But former Ghibelline agitators stirred up trouble in the region, leading to several towns defecting to Milan. Gian Galeazzo dispatched another army, led by Jacopo dal Verme, to attack Bologna. In response, Florence called upon the condottieri Sir John Hawkwood and Ronaldo Orsini. However, Orsini's murder severely affected Florence's military, leaving Hawkwood as the sole experienced leader. Hawkwood's career as a military leader began during the Hundred Years' War, where he fought on the English side. In the late 1360s, Hawkwood traveled to Italy as part of a company of mercenaries. He soon distinguished himself with his tactical skills, leadership abilities, and military acumen. Hawkwood became renowned for his effectiveness in conducting warfare and became one of the most sought-after mercenary captains in Italy. Hawkwood served various city-states in Italy, including Milan, Florence, and the Papal States. Hawkwood immediately combined the forces of Florence and Bologna and led his army against Ferme. Surprised by this tactic, the Milanese withdrew to Modena countryside, and Hawkwood proceeded to retake captured castles and pursued the Milanese into their territory. Florence desired to take the fight directly to Lombardy. They feared becoming worn down and believed it was urgent to impose the effects of war on Milan and deplete their resources. To this end, they initiated diplomatic missions to the Duke of Bavaria, the French Count of Almanac, and Francesco de Carrara, offering substantial sums of money and rewards to encourage them to invade Italy. They also urged Carrara, exiled in Germany, to return to Padua. At this point, Francesco Carrara arrived with German troops to retake Padua, and Hawkwood threatened Reggio, Parma, and the territory south of the Po River. 
the Duke of Bavaria arrived later, but insisted on completing the taking of the Padua Citadel, refusing to assist in the uprisings in Verona and Vicenza. Consequently, the rebellion in those cities was subdued, and Hawkwood retreated south of Bologna. The Duke of Bavaria demanded more money, leading to growing mistrust and rumors of secret negotiations with Milan. In Siena, citizens suffered from famine and plague, and civil strife erupted. Some of those expelled then sided with Florence. Bologna, too, was weary of the war's costs and desired peace through any means necessary. Florentine leaders emphasized the dangers of Visconti rule and urged Bologna to consider the examples of Padua, Vicenza, and Verona. Bologna ultimately decided to remain in the alliance. As the campaign season of 1390 drew to a close, Florence intensified efforts to secure Padua. They made progress in reaching an agreement with Alberto of Ferrara, allowing Hawkwood to lead his army north and help in the final capture of the citadel. Hawkwood's efforts proved pivotal, and the Duke of Bavaria disappointedly returned home to Germany. In 1391, the Florentine strategy relied on the French to invade from the west while Florence's army attacked from the east. The Count of Armagnac led his army across the Alps into Italy. Meanwhile, Hawkwood, upon hearing of the French arrival, marched out of Padua and invaded the enemy territory around Verona and Vicenza. He advanced towards Milan, but the French, led by Armagnac, decided to attack Gian Galeazzo at Alessandria instead of joining forces with Hawkwood. The French suffered a devastating defeat, and Hawkwood retreated to Cremona. However, he successfully counterattacked the overconfident Milanese and routed them. Hawkwood led his army toward the Adige River, where he discovered that the Milanese had flooded the surrounding plain, making it challenging to traverse the terrain. Undeterred, he led his troops on a forced march through the flooded lands, continuing day and night until they reached dry ground. To deceive the pursuing Milanese army, Hawkwood left behind his standards, creating the illusion that his camp was still in place. By the time the Milanese realized he had escaped, Hawkwood was too far ahead for them to pursue further. He crossed the Adige River and entered Paduan territory. However, this successful evasion came at a cost, as Hawkwood lost most of his infantry and many of his cavalry. Nevertheless, his skill in averting what could have been a disaster for Florence earned him praise. While Hawkwood was conducting his campaign, another Florentine army assembled near Siena, burning strongholds and capturing territories. When news of the French defeat and Hawkwood's possible entrapment reached Florence, they recalled their armies. In seizing the opportunity, Gian Galeazzo ordered his troops into Tuscany, crossing the Apennines into the country around Pisa. Hawkwood learned of their movements and crossed the Apennines, but the Milanese army had already reached Siena, 
to join forces with troops already there. The Florentine army, including Hawkwood's troops, gathered at Poggibanzi. For May, leading the Milanese troops, marched toward the Florentine position with a sizable force. Outnumbered, Hawkwood divided his forces between the towns of Calais, Stragia, and Poggibanzi in an attempt to force the Milanese into a town-based battle. However, the Milanese bypassed them, crossed the Arno, and camped near Pistoia. The Florentines followed suit, and reinforcements from Florentine allies helped balance the numbers. Ultimately, the Milanese, discouraged by their chances in a pitched battle, retreated towards the Nivoli River, leading to negotiations for peace. As the winter approached, negotiations for peace took place in Genoa, with ambassadors and papal representatives involved. The main obstacles were the issues surrounding Padua. Francesco Carrera demanded his father's release, while Milan insisted on regaining control of Padua. Eventually, peace was concluded, with Padua and towns under its control given to Francesco Carrera, who would indemnify Milan with 500,000 florins over 50 years. Castles captured during the war were to be restored to their original owners, and exiles from Padua and Siena were compensated for their losses. Furthermore, Gian Galeazzo agreed not to have an army beyond the Fredore River unless Florence threatened Siena or Perugia. Between 1392 and 1396, there was a relative period of calm between Milan and Florence, although more minor regional conflicts still occurred. Both sides needed to dismiss mercenaries without allowing them to form marauding bands of free companies. This meant dismissing them little by little while keeping the commanders. Florence and her allies attempted to adhere to this arrangement, but it was suspected that Milan encouraged the formation of larger bands of mercenaries that terrorized the region. In response, Florence and Bologna renewed their alliance and formed the League of Bologna, including Padua, Ferrara, and later Mantua. Gian Galeazzo viewed the addition of Mantua to the League as a breach of peace. In what amounted to a tit-for-tat, a coup in Pisa led to the city aligning with Milan in 1392. Gian Galeazzo also sent ambassadors to tarnish the reputation of the Florentines at the French court. He had plans to secularize church lands in northern Italy and establish Louis of Orleans, his son-in-law, as the ruler, but these did not come to fruition. In 1394, Wenceslas, the new elected emperor and king of Bohemia, sought passage through Italy on his way to Rome for his ceremonial coronation. Florence and the League denied him passage, harking back to old Goelf sentiments, while Milan welcomed him. Consequently, Wenceslas sold Gian Galeazzo the title of Duke of Milan and Prince of the Empire. By 1396, the Free Companies, 
had grown in size and threatened the region's stability. During this time, war broke out again around Siena. Meanwhile, Gian Galeazzo sent a large army to besiege the city of Mantua. Despite being hard-pressed at home, the Florentines sent reinforcements whose arrival enabled Florence to secure a victory. However, the Florentines failed to follow up on their success by dismissing their army. Gian Galeazzo rebuilt his army and he invaded Mantuan territory once again. The lack of defenders and delayed reinforcements worsened the situation. Negotiations for peace were initiated, but the hope for resolution made the Allies slow in sending reinforcements. At the end of 1397, the political balance shifted in favor of the Visconti, undermining Florence's position. Venice, relying on its insular protection, had initially refrained from active involvement in the conflict. Only when the survival of the League of Bologna became uncertain did Venice join forces to strengthen the weakened alliance. But Venice's intervention was calculated to divert the threat from itself. Venice proposed a compromise, suggesting that buffer states be established between Milan and Venice. But this failed to ensure the safety of Tuscany. The Truce of Pavia was eventually reached in May 1398, thanks to Venetian diplomacy. Florence had little choice but to agree. Milan could now focus its resources on Tuscany without any counterweight in the east. Gian Galeazzo focused on establishing signories south of the Apennines in areas not officially part of Florence's territory. Within two years, the Italian interstate situation underwent a significant transformation. Pisa officially accepted Gian Galeazzo as their ruler. Siena and other communities in Tuscany followed suit. Perugia, facing economic difficulties and attacks, yielded to Milan despite Florentine efforts to assist. The letter from Perugia emphasized the need for peace and regarded Gian Galeazzo as a savior. By 1400, central Italian cities and the coastal districts were under Visconti control, leaving only Florence and Bologna. A Florence delegation sought Venice's assistance, but Venice had already reached a peace agreement with Milan. Florence, lacking significant alliances, was now on its own to face the challenges of survival and determine its future. Isolated and in a dire situation, Florence sought help from Rupert of the Palatinate, the rival of Emperor Wenceslas. Through diplomacy and intrigue, Florence convinced Rupert to bring a large German force into Italy to confront Gian Galeazzo. However, in October 1401, the small Milanese forces defeated the Germans at the Battle of Brescia. The victorious Milanese then turned their attention to Bologna, Florence's last steadfast ally. The Florentine Signoria sent 5,000 cavalry to defend Bologna, depleting their last reserves. 
they faced an overwhelming enemy of 15,000 cavalry and 20,000 infantry. Despite their courage, the Florentines suffered a crushing defeat at Casalecchio on June 26, 1402. Bologna surrendered, leaving Florence vulnerable and exposed. Florence awaited the final attack throughout the summer with a sense of helplessness. The city was cut off from the sea, disrupting trade, which was vital to the Republic. The prospect of famine loomed as the city relied on imports to feed its large population, and years of war had severely strained Florence's finances. Despite desperate diplomatic efforts, including failed attempts to seek intervention from the papacy, Florence's situation appeared increasingly dire. But the summer had become one of inaction, and the Milanese army had halted at the Florentine frontier. The reason for this hesitation is not documented, but based on his previous behavior, it can be inferred what Gian Galeazzo was planning. He had a strategic approach when it came to conquering cities. Instead of attacking them directly, he employed a method of surrounding his victims with military might and persuasive propaganda. He would patiently wait for the adversary to feel the certainty of defeat, which often led to internal divisions, betrayals, and surrender. This approach had recently proven successful in the case of Bologna, where after a prolonged period of waiting, his method had yielded the desired results. Given the magnitude of the challenge posed by his last and most dangerous opponent, Florence, it was understandable that he adhered to these tested policies. He wanted to ensure favorable conditions before engaging in a final confrontation. However, an unexpected event changed the situation in the autumn of 1402, an outbreak of the plague. Gian Galeazzo succumbed to the epidemic on September 3rd. With his death, the significant threat to Florentine liberty was gone. So too were any grand ambitions of establishing a unified Italian kingdom. The death of the Duke of Milan marked the resurgence of his enemies. The Visconti state was confined to the Lombard province around Milan, and this period allowed for the emergence of an equilibrium among independent regional states in North and Central Italy. In that summer of 1402, while it waited for the Duke of Milan to attack, Florence held a competition to select an artist to create new bronze doors for the baptistry of San Giovanni. The two standout contenders were Filippo Brunelleschi and Lorenzo Ghiberti. Brunelleschi had worked in secret for almost a year and presented a panel depicting the moment just before Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, with an angel intervening. On the other hand, Gerberti sought advice openly and created a masterpiece showing Abraham poised for the final strike, with a heroic representation of Isaac and a foreshortened angel saving him. The judges and citizens of Florence were divided in their opinions. While it was said that the commission was initially awarded to both artists, Brunelleschi refused to work with Gerberti. 
As a result, Ghiberti ultimately won the commission to create the baptistry doors. Florence had been saved by the hand of a guardian angel, and in surviving, they will emerge as the cultural center of the Italian Renaissance. This cultural renaissance would also happen because of Florence's financial strength. In the next episode, we'll talk about economics and the rise of banking. As always, maps and other supporting resources for all episodes are listed in the episode description. In the meantime, for more historical content, please visit the I Take History with My Coffee blog at itakehistory.com and also consider liking the I Take History with My Coffee Facebook page. Feedback and comments are welcome at itakehistory at gmail.com. Or you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can also help support this podcast by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash itakehistory. If you know anyone else who would enjoy this podcast, please let them know. And thanks for listening. Thank you.